Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. Hey guys, Omar Khan here with Beta Trading Co. I wanted to tell you about episode 124 of the Breakthrough Podcast. We currently have a special offer for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. We're offering a free one hour live training session where we show how to instantly add stock options as a new income stream. Now I've used this myself personally over the years to create a sizable real estate portfolio for myself and there's no reason you can't as well. Cool thing is it only takes about 30 minutes a day. So if you have a job, or if you have a business or you're just spending a lot of time with your family, you're gonna have time to incorporate this in your life if you take the time to learn this, okay? now. We're also offering a 15 minute free consultation to discuss how our option strategy can work with your current investment strategy and really take your investment to the next level, okay? So for more information, check out 30minutesdoctrader.com forward slash breakthrough to join us on our free live training, our next webinar. Remember again, episode 124, where Sandy and I go over exactly how I use this strategy to acquire a large real estate portfolio for myself. And there's no reason why you can't as well. See you there guys, talk soon. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again. We're happy you could join us for another exciting episode of Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. As usual, here with me again is Mr. Sandy McKay. How's it going, Sandy? Hey, Rob. Uh, uh, very good, very good. Happy to be back and uh, record another episode full of content. Yeah, I'm super excited to be back here. I always enjoy doing these, and the last few have just been, you know, you, they've left me with a lot of uh, inspiration and a lot of, you know, hope for like the, the investing strategies that I don't necessarily take advantage of that I think has opened some new doors and, and things like that for me. So um, and this one, no doubt, is going to be more of the same of that. So uh, I'm very excited about that. Before we get into it, of course, everybody knows, go over to BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca Download our free report, um, get on the email list, 
listen to all the episodes that we've done over the past years. All of them are there available to be, uh, to be listened to, take advantage of all the great guests that we've talked to and all the info that they've shared with us. Uh, and I mentioned the free gifts. Sandy, you want to talk about that? The ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate. So you can pick up a free report there. Kind of goes through how we how we've built our businesses and 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 implemented uh, the strategy we use in investing in real estate and how you can too. You also get on our email list, of course, and then you will never miss out on a show or an event or anything else we got going on. So yeah, go do that right now. Breakthrough podcast.ca and jump over onto iTunes. Leave us a rating review there. You guys know helps us out a lot. If you haven't done that yet, please go over to iTunes. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, let us know what you like, what you don't like, who you want to hear, what kind of uh, information you want to get out of us, and we'll make sure that we tailor some future episodes to give you guys all that great information. And, uh, and of course, you can click on all of our uh, social media links and all that kind of stuff and stay connected with us. So um, uh, one thing I wanted to mention, too, is you know if you're listening live, jump on and ask our guests some questions today. We'd really like to interact with you guys, those of you who are listening to it right now. Um, you know, Get on, interact, ask some questions. We know you have them. Don't be shy. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, get on live, and that's that's. If you're listening to this, you're probably you probably could have listened to this uh, a few weeks ago, or, or at least a week ago, or a month ago. So, join us on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, just go like and, or subscribe to our channels, and you will be able to jump on live with us. Ask whatever questions you have for our guests or ourselves. So, go do that if you haven't already. Yeah, it's breakthrough real estate investing on Facebook, right? That's it, and on YouTube. You know, I've got a bunch of things that I'm almost on the cusp of being able to talk about, but right now I'm just gonna leave it. You know, I've been doing a lot of thinking, been reassessing my why, and, uh, and you know, as life progresses, things change, and so I've got, I think, some exciting things to talk about in the future, but, uh, but right now, nothing is solid, so I don't want to talk out of line. I hope that you're buying a hotel or moving to Costa Rica or something. I'm hoping something like that. You know, it has to do, we'll, we'll talk about it soon, <laughs> but I'm very excited. There's, there's some stuff going on. Awesome. So, so tune in for our next episode after this or episodes and they might find out what, what's going on. Yeah. I'll lead it down the road, maybe four or five more episodes just to get more people listening. Okay. <laughs> exciting. Exciting. Well, yeah, we, we, we do share a few things uh, of what's going on in our lives on this show. I'm excited to learn what that is. That's the first yeah, time I'm hearing about it too. So uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, do, Sandy, what about you? What's going on? You know, I'd, well, as you said, that reassessing, and I'm always doing that too. Every every few months or, or month, you know, you, you get into different conversations and people inspire you to think differently about, about what your goals are or whatnot. So uh, to be honest, I've been thinking about that a lot too. It's kind of um, something that's, there's a lot of stuff going on. I think that you reach a point where you have so many different uh, things happening, investment world or real estate world, and um, you kind of learn which, which things you really love, right? So... Um, you know, we're, I'm kind of tweaking some things too, just to make sure that I'm spending my time in the right spaces and, uh, and having energy to keep going with, with everything we're doing. But, um, but yeah, we're, I don't know, buying properties, building up the brokerage here in, in the Vaughan area, North of Toronto. So if anyone knows realtors or, or wants to get involved in our operation here, uh, feel free to reach out about that. That's kind of the most exciting thing in my life so far in 2021, professionally at least, is uh, the new brokerage and building it up. Yeah, what's that called again? Uh, Keller Williams Legacies Realty. You can see right there. Right behind you on the wall for those who aren't listening or for those of you who aren't watching. 
uh, Keller Williams legacies legacy. There you go. Um, yeah. And I think that that's like, especially when, when we get to a certain point, right. It is all about where your time is best spent. And I could see like for you, that's gotta be really rough right now. Well, not rough, but a, a challenge, right. To figure out where to put your time, where it's best spent. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you got to spend it on stuff that you like to do and that, that, that leads to whatever the why is or your, your next why or the big why, you know, we're talking about that a bit on the show, but um, that's cool that, that, that you're revisiting that or rethinking that. I'm excited to see where that goes and uh, maybe we'll talk about that soon. Soon. Okay. Well, let's talk to our guest. He's been waiting patiently there. Uh, Bradley Watson is with us. Super excited to have him here. Bradley's uh, he's been realtor for a bunch of years, eight years plus podcaster. He's got a great new podcast out there um, and done bird deals, single family deals, multifamilies, uh, big at raising money. Um, Bradley, welcome to the show. Why don't you share a bit more about uh, your journey? Well, before I get started, can I just say it's I've been a fan and it's nice to also be a guest. You guys are OGs in the podcast community. And thank you for welcoming me to come in and share a little bit. I think this is going to be really cool. So. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll tell you guys a little bit about me. So uh, as you mentioned, been in real estate game for, I guess it's about eight years now. Realtor first, investor second, which is a little different than most people in this community. And over the last year, I've been on this hyper fast journey to learn what it actually means to be an investor based realtor. I started coming like at the beginning of the podcast saying, you know what, I'm an investor realtor. Now I realize I was not. <laughs> And have had the opportunity with chatting with fellows like yourself. In fact, I have Sandy on the show coming up soon too. And many other very successful investors coming on and teaching me what it actually means to be an investor. And so I've been on my own personal journey building uh, our portfolio, which we had scaled back as we had young kids. And they're getting a little bit older now. So we're really excited. Excited to join the community. Really get to know there's only a few people. I mean, it's a really small, tight-knit community. And being able to rub elbows and um, really connect with people at a time when a lot would say you can't, you know, with COVID, you think this is an impossible time to network. Not true. I mean, it's been an unbelievable opportunity to create a podcast, create fans and friends, and also be able to connect with like-minded people such as you guys. So it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's exactly it, right? There's so many things we can do. Um, we just need to pivot our strategies a little bit, perhaps. Um, why don't you talk about your real estate uh, investment journey and uh, kind of how you got into this world and, uh, and you know, how things maybe evolved a little bit along the way. Absolutely. So back in 2014, I got my first place. We had recently gotten married uh, the same year and we were, I, so within one year, we, I quit my job shortly after getting a mortgage qualified. I got married and I bought my first house. We house hacked, lived in the basement, lived for about 500 bucks a month. It was in a, a legal duplex out in Brampton and had held on to that. The market during the time was very much a seller's market. And we said, you know what, should we buy or rent? We actually were kind of torn, which was ironic because I had a license and we made the right call. We ended up getting a property. Um, fast forward, we ended up buying another one out in Oshawa because I wanted to learn about the East End for my own kind of real estate journey just to kind of get a picture from both worlds and did quite well there and kind of grew our portfolio that way i mean we were kind of doing it was almost a burr but like it wasn't really a formal burr we didn't really attack it that way and we're able to make quite a decent amount of money and then eventually we had kids scaled back our portfolio a bit and now i'm at a point where through learning sitting back quietly but maybe not so quiet because of the podcast and, and observing 
we've identified what our next strategy is as a couple and and we're set to to explode so that's that's kind of where we're at now okay so i wanted to ask you real quick i don't want to breeze over any of that um you mentioned that you did sort of a burr you said so burr yeah. is uh buy renovate refi and rent that's what that means so yeah. you would buy something renovate it then refinance it with the bank um, to pull some of that capital that was invested back out and then rent it out and, and continue to keep it as a rental property. Yeah. You said, but you said you almost did a burst strategy. So what do you mean by that? I'll tell you what we did. Okay. So this is, and you can describe if it's a burr or not. So we purchased the property. This is 2014, bought it for 373. It was in a state uh, power of sale on market, been on for 60 days more business cards than I've ever seen in a listing and nobody wanted it because there was chicken on the stove in the basement. So we picked it up. We didn't do a ton of the, really the made the biggest renovation we did was in the basement bathroom. And after a couple of years, we now naturally the market was going up in value. So that's why I said it was kind of a bird. We never went in with that intention. We were just happy to be living for next to no money at the time. And so we refinanced that property in order to purchase and, and set up a corporation. So in a sense, I think the refinance value was maybe 450, somewhere between 450 and five. And that was in 2016. So it didn't happen with the aggression that a lot of investors would, would take, but absolutely through increasing the value, finding something that was undervalued and then adding a little bit of sweat equity, we're able to, to use that to get to our next property. So kind of a burr. Yeah, a little bit of a burr. Maybe we got to add an A for appreciation in there somewhere. Yeah. But so yeah. does everybody else. I mean, this is on. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> true. I mean, unless you're turning it around in three months, which I mean, people are doing, you know, and then they're then they're only sort of dealing with the sweat equity portion of it. But yeah, I mean, o over the past, well, I mean, hundred years, I guess, if you want to look back on it that way, the the appreciation's always been part of it. I mean, we put forty thousand in, and at the refi, we had a hundred thousand to put into our next property, so mm -hmm. still a pretty successful kind of appreciating burr. So, Very much, and that was the yeah. first one you did. That was my first house. That was my that was my little nest egg, something my wife, a place my wife did not want to raise kids. We were in a one bedroom basement apartment. Um, young guy, I think I was twenty three or twenty four, dealing with tenants, kind of learning what that looks like. Uh, it's it was convenient that it was my home because we can kind of keep an eye. But we heard little crazy kids running around upstairs and jumping on all of all of our stuff. So I mean, that's the game, right? And got to learn a ton as a landlord and what that kind of means and, and being on site house hacking, being able to get in. We, I think we had put 10%, it was 10% that we put down, which was all we had. And I was talking to Sandy and he, he did very much the same when he started his journey. It was all we really had. And, and that just came from being frugal. My wife and I were both able to um, cover the cost of our university. We had just graduated. And my wife actually had a full paid scholarship at Ryerson. So the money she had set aside for school was what we had to to purchase our first place. So, yeah. And then from there, you moved on to what was the next place? The next property we bought was in Oshawa in 2016. We bought it was a, a legal duplex uh, south side of it was uh, south side of Oshawa, pretty close to the water, probably five minute walk from the water. And we were finding the challenges of filling the tenancies. We would have 15 appointments booked, then one person we'd be lucky if they showed up. And it was a 401 drive. We were taking a lot just to try and fill the space. So it was a real kind of nightmare, to be honest with you. And um, we had that place for a year and just kind of getting to know what it's like to be a landlord. In fact, 
by the time we were, we had our, one of our tenants came in, wasn't paying rent. Eventually they left and stole our stove, brand new stove. So we learned a little bit about that. And I mean, that's, that's the fun of it. Thank you for the Ontario system protecting landlords and just dealt with that yeah. and just licked our wounds. But you know what? The funny thing was for me, one of the coolest parts of all of this outside of the investment community is understanding the market. And I love the market. I think you can create wealth just from having your finger on the pulse. And in 2017, I did. I absolutely did. Hadn't started a podcast yet, but I was doing YouTube videos and was telling people, be careful because if the government pulls this rug out from under us, very quickly, things are going to change. And uh, we actually sold that property and I closed in April 2017, which is the closing date was literally this within a month of the market correcting in 2017. So we had $100,000 we made in that property in one year, no renovations done, just from knowing that market at the time. And that property is now obviously Oshawa and Durham are doing well, but it took at least a year or two from there to get back to the value that we had sold it. And um, so just from, mm -hmm. yeah, so, so that turned out to be pretty cool. We were able to purchase our property, settle down a little bit and have a very small mortgage and spend time kind of a midlife retirement if you will with my family and, and raising my young daughters and so that's kind of what's since then we've been sitting and learning and continuing to put out content dealing with clients and educating and um now we're we're looking at bigger and, and better things so awesome so uh, now going forward what's your what's your kind of what's your strategy look like in the investment world right now or and or like how's it how is it how's the outlook look for the for the short future yeah, I mean, I'm very excited. I've uh, I've gone through some unique challenges being someone who is very energetic, love talking to people, just sitting on the phone for too long when I should be doing other things. Probably, podcast is a great platform to not shut up and and be okay. If you'll be okay with that, and so the platform through podcasting has been able to teach me. And I've learned. I know I want to now formally do bursts, and that was kind of my strategy going in. I connected with a lady named Edna Keep, and she came on my show and mentioned the idea of multifamilies, which opened my eyes. At that time, I had investors ready to go with burrs, single family or small residential multis, and was ready to do that. And I've got a steady source through also guests and contacts. We've got off-market deals coming in that, I mean, you could grab these all day long, all day long. But as I was speaking through it, I was realizing the opportunities that exist in the multifamily space. So I've decided for me, that's my next big step. And having access to capital, though I think finding a deal is harder, finding capital is very difficult uh, and finding accredited investors that can support those. And I've got a lot of them, whether that's through the podcast, through connecting with people, people know I know what I'm doing. And the things I don't know, I know people who do. And so we're able to make a lot of money. There's a lot of opportunities here. And and in a way, I've jumped in both feet and uh, been burned a little bit. But this year, I do anticipate we will have several buildings under our belt and um, through JVs and, and strategic partners across Canada. And that's, that's what we're planning to do. So now you've talked about partners and the fact that, you know, you've been able to, to connect with them through these various outlets like the podcast and that kind of thing. But let's talk about like, you know just connecting with someone isn't really forming a relationship with them, right? Like how do you cultivate that JV relationship? Well, I, I think any of your listeners would agree that the fact that you guys have the podcast gives a level of credibility. Most people who contact me, they've already got, they know me. I mean, my life is on display. I mean, even before my podcast, I've been doing YouTube videos for four years. You can look back and see my best and my worst and it's all there. And 
that creates a culture where when I talk to someone, it's like, if you want to get to know me as a JV partner, it's important that I get to know you, which is going to take a little bit of work on my end. But if you want to know about me, just look my name up. And, and so that creates a lot of credibility in those conversations. So yes, maybe the phone call is the first one for us, but our dialogue has been going on for a long time. Um, and that's why the relationships are deep, very quick. Now, once you start to share successes and opportunities, if you bring these deals, which we have to people, those relationships form a hell of a lot quicker when there's a, a live opportunity for someone. And, and so that also forces that relationship to speed up a lot. And so this is where, for me, my lesson has been choose your partners carefully because it's very, when you got the right deal, it's easy to find the money. When you got the money and you've got the right contacts, you can bring the deal, but don't get as a young guy, I'm 30, but I, I shaved today. I look like I'm probably in my early 20s. I, I am, I'm very energetic. I'm ready to go. Like, I mean, I am. So people jump and they gravitate to that. And the result is, is you can be taken advantage of in a way. And you just got to make sure you got your, your bases covered. And, and having been connected to groups of investors and being able to rub elbows with people, you realize and learn how you can do that. And, and you grow, right? There's, there's, if you're afraid of making mistakes, you're not going to go anywhere. I mean, all of us in this room are scared. We all have our fears. We all have, you know, doubts and challenges. It's not what you're, you can't avoid those things. You power through them and, and you keep going despite you have people saying you can't do it or hoping you fail. I mean, I'll see you at the top. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, ask how you find the deals. Cause the, the money part is, is part of it. Obviously marrying those, that money with the, with the right deal or right opportunities. And, and you mentioned, you know, across Canada too, not just locally necessarily. Yeah. So how do you source, how do you source those deals? Currently? I mean, the belt, the belt is getting wider. I probably eat too much. The belt, the tool belt is getting a little bit wider. We've got the first source that I had was off market power sale deals. And um, I've got a steady flow of those that come in. Those are residential, not as much multis, but that was kind of step one. So that creates a framework for investors. As you start to build that investor database, right now I'm sitting over 450 investors that we're sharing and, and people are welcome to jump on our list. I, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm sending one or two a week now um, from various deals or JV opportunities. So from there, I, was, I had contacted several large accredited investors and was able to network with people now across the country and say, hey, because here in Toronto, here in Ontario, money is, it's everywhere. And I, and I think it's, it's everywhere across Canada, but once you start to go into other provinces, it's a little harder to come by. Not too many people are running and investing in a place like Winnipeg to the same extent they're investing in Hamilton, for example. So that creates a massive opportunity for me having a ton of capital to change markets that would otherwise sit quiet. And so through there, I can connect with JV partners who already have deals. They've got cap rates that we're not used to seeing and are happy to share those deals in exchange for money. So that's one way. Another way that I've been able to do it is with wholesalers. I've been able, again, through networking, connecting with people, find people who bring me deals directly, which I have the opportunity to either manage or bring on a managing partner and work with as well. So those ones can also be quite lucrative. I mean, there's been several I've come through where we've either tried to jump, it didn't work, or or we've kind of looked at it and we, we pass on a lot. There's a, there's a several, right now I've got several deals on the table that are kind of available that we're not really jumping on, if you will. But those are, so in some cases, they'll come from other partners, knowing we have the capital. In other cases, they'll come from people who know we have the capital and can close on those deals. I hope that kind of answers your question. So they're, they're, they range. 
It does. Do you find that uh, even with the wholesale deals now, they've become quite competitive? Yeah, and, and I call it a wholesale deal, but these are coming from wholesalers who aren't wholesaling them. They're legitimately off-market deals. Yeah, okay. So I, I'm not picking up, like I do get messages for wholesales and I'm, I'm open to it. I've got some wholesalers that send them to me first just because uh, we're able to move on them. But the ones that really excite me are the non-exclusive off-market deals that I have no problem paying a realtor for bringing me. I mean, these are people who are very good at sourcing opportunities and yeah, I have my real estate license and this is where you kind of have to recognize the role, but I want to be an investor. And the trade-off for that is paying people for the work that they do. And, and that's kind of been, it's worked out. Yeah. It's, it's it, Rob, you mentioned that it's interesting. The, the wholesale world is changing. I think it's because it just, there's so much the technology side of things and there's so much available information out there that it's, it's not like these wholesale deals are necessarily flying under, under the radar as much as they used to. Um, which, which makes it, I don't know if that's better or if you're a wholesaler, it's probably better. Oh, well, yeah, for sure it is. But I mean, it's, it's, it's creating the same, the same type of, uh, bidding wars as, you know, what's, what's going on in in the stuff that's on market as well. I've seen a lot of that lately. Yeah. In one sense, with on the wholesaling front, it's, it's easier to find money to, to, to pass those deals along, but it's so much more difficult to source them now. I mean, finding deals is harder than ever. And we're seeing markets when I'm talking to people outside of the GTA, they're talking about how like we're getting, like we've got conditions they've never seen like escalation clauses, for example, we've, we've seen that in Toronto for a while and they're just, they're, they're shell shocked. And so a lot of these deals, the wholesales that I tend to see, the, the guys that are running around, they're in outside communities and they are experiencing things that they've never experienced before. Um, and that's challenging. I mean, I, I have one lady that I'm speaking to in Welland. I'm going to be seeing her this week, actually. And she was given an as-is offer. And, and so uh, this came to me through the grapevine. And I spoke with her and I said, Let, let's just lay this out here. Are you good with me not representing you? Because I have no problem submitting you a better as is offer than you got. But I'll be honest with you. And this is just, again, me. This is just my good nature side. I'm not the kind of guy that scoops these deals. I'll pick them up from somebody else. But I said to her, I have, if you list this thing on MLS, you're going to have multiple offers. That price can go way over. And, and she was a little nervous about working with realtors. And so in some cases, I'll, I'll shoot myself in the foot because you want to be honest. And, you know, I want to take care of her unless she's good with me just bringing an off market offer, which. I mean, I have no problem taking $50,000. Thank you very much. So, but I think, I think it's important people see as my realtor side is saying, get the deal. But my humanity is saying that there's, we almost have to take care of each other. It's not just about the money. It really isn't. Um, So maybe that was off on a bit of a tangent on the wholesale stuff. I, I don't do a ton of wholesaling. I'll pick up wholesale deals, but I don't see many of them in the multifamily, like mid to small to mid-sized apartment space. There's not as much profit margin in there for them. So I don't tend to cross them as often. Well, I think you mentioned something very important. And that is the fact that when you have the right deal, the money will be there. That's It's, it's almost, I mean, obviously, other than the fact that you've done your due diligence in order to, you know, grab onto that deal in the first place. But the the, the validation really comes when, you know, when your investor says, yes, that looks great. Let's do it. Right. And, and when that doesn't happen, it's almost like the indicator that, okay, well, maybe it's not the great deal that I thought it was in the first place. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about the market and that a little bit. You mentioned, uh, you know, different clauses in different cities and whatnot and all the crazy 
chaos that that some people might think is happening in a I don't know in a in a Sault Ste. Marie or a Sudbury or something. We've seen that for years in Toronto for sure right, around the GTA. Um, but what what is the what, what's happening in the market? You study this stuff a lot. What are some of the trends out there, and how's the market? Is it is it exciting right now, or what, what's going on? I mean, it's exciting if you own real estate. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting when you recognize that the alternative is to hold cash that's losing value overnight through inflation and all of these pressures. And it, it's good holding real estate where you can, you're coming up for your renewal and your mortgage payments, though you refinance hundreds of thousands is still the same payment. I mean, that's a great thing. But for someone like my kids or the next generation, there is a level of concern in there on what comes next. I mean, what state do you want to live in? Because you ain't going to be in Canada. I mean, the, the prices that are, are increasing at crazy levels. And um, I just think it's a new normal. I think they're very much like 2017, though the Bank of Canada and like th they would never, CMHC, they wouldn't say this is, actually CMHC might, Bank of Canada wouldn't say this is in 2017. It's not the same thing. That's what they've recently said. We're not going to change interest rates. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. Things are good. If I were to say that there would be a carpet be pulled out, it would happen from the Bank of Canada saying something to the effect of like, something's got to give, right? Like when we saw the, the big impact that happened was a foreign buyer's tax. So when the government steps in, okay, fine, we're in a bubble. Let's say we're in a bubble. Let's say things are overinflated. I think generally people would agree is overheating. Everybody's saying, even the biggest critics are now, or supporters of the market are saying there's some overheating happening. The only thing that's going to change that because the fundamentals are leading to the overheating is intervention. And the intervention is what caused a lot of the problems in the first place, you know? First time homebuyer credits pushing that price up or these caps on prices that kind of artificially inflate lower priced homes. All of these things is now the solution is more of the problem, which is government intervention. And at some point that will probably happen. Um, if, if you know when that happens, then you can really probably time the market. But those are those are some of the I, I don't know if that answers your question, but there's a lot of moving parts right now. Um, the further you are from the city the better you're doing right now. That's what the numbers are telling us. And at some point, I personally believe as a, as a supporter of Toronto, I believe the city will rise again. We see that in office spaces already. Work from home is, is here for a while, but um, we, we will, I believe, start to see the cities come back again. We're already seeing that in vacancy rates across North America. So there's still a place for the city. Um, but for right now, this is the time for the suburbs to shine and they're taking advantage of it. So what should someone do if they're uh, if they're looking to invest money in, in in GTA or Toronto in 2021? Like what what should they be thinking? What should, should they even be doing it, or should they be sitting on the fence and maybe waiting to to see if there's some intervention and there's a 2017 repeat of some sort? Yeah, I I don't think this is going to change for a while. I wouldn't I wouldn't sit on the sidelines if you plan on doing some activity. I guess the saying is is don't wait to buy, but buy and wait. And so I think that will continue to be the case. Let's say hypothetically prices come down. I was talking to someone recently about this and they said, do you think prices will correct? And I, my belief is even if they do, there is way more up than there is down ahead of us. And so be okay with those. Recognize the pressures that are being placed, supply and demand pressures. I mean, we were laughing, at least I was laughing when they said that we would get over 400,000 immigrants this year. The numbers are on track. So Let's not let's not say there's no demand, you know. Um, I think there is. And for that reason, it's my personal opinion, which an opinion is is a butthole. Everyone's got one and sometimes they stink. <laughs> and my opinion is that, yeah, I mean, talking to guys like you, talking to a lot of people who are investing, 
I don't think it's a matter of if you invest, but where you invest. And people are, they're running. They're running to trade in those worthless dollars for things of fixed value. And, and that includes real estate. So where you invest being what asset class is what you're referring to, not necessarily location? Both. Yeah, both. And not everybody's a real estate. I mean, if they're listening to this podcast, they're probably interested in real estate, but there is many fixed assets. I mean, people are, the cash is the worst thing. <laughs> That's the short of it, right? And and this comes from conversations with people who have a lot of it. They realize, where can I spend it? Any opportunity there is in real estate, there's hundreds of different vehicles, not just types of properties, but forms of investing. I mean, you could do JVs, you could do it yourself. You, you could do whatever you want. You could flip. You, I mean, even people are be, right now in this market, people are becoming flippers without meaning to. They're picking up a property and three months later, the value is up 150,000. Okay, I'll sell it. I mean, now in a couple of months from now, they're going to be upset that they did, but they got to flip, right? Yeah, they made a quick hit of cash. Why not? The, Why not? The, it's, yeah, it's often just the appreciations working out for them. Um, it's 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 crazy times for sure in in all all around Ontario for sure um, and beyond. But if you were if you were an investor, would you be looking in Toronto specifically in that market right now, or or is that is it a market that's kind of um, that's a good question? Still- I mean, I love Toronto, but no, I my my sense in the next six months is that the outskirts is going to outperform. But I also know human. I I know people, and psychology is such a big part of what the market does. This is why I saw twenty seventeen kind of coming. People are, it's almost like an elastic band. People are running at such a large number to these outskirt communities. To Like these cities cannot support this, this amount of people. That's going to mean short-term massive increases. We look at Durham, like unbelievable amount of upside that's about to come out of Durham. At some point, just like they do between the condos and the freehold, jumping back and forth, people are going to say, why the hell am I buying a single family home at this price per square foot when there is such a massive deal in the downtown core. And we're already seeing that in condos. I mean, if you actually look at the condo prices, there's a ton of stability picking up now in the city. We've been seeing that since December, but people in the last, depending on when people are getting this, it wasn't really until February that some of the major news was starting to say, hey, it's actually like, if you look at the months of inventory, they're pretty much the same as the freehold. So so if I were to predict in any capacity, which I'd like to do, I'd say in the next six months, outskirts of Toronto suburbs are absolutely going to outperform the major city. I think that's a, an ongoing thing at some level. If we were to look in the next five to 10 years, I do anticipate that the city of Toronto as an investment will outperform the suburbs. I think that's, that's generally understood in the long term, and, and I think that will continue to be the case, but it, anywhere in the GTA right now is a good bet. If you were to really break it down. There's definitely some people that I think, maybe haven't thought things through to the level that they should before sort of heading to those outskirts, like thinking that maybe this work from home thing is going to last longer than it probably is. I would imagine that I would like to think anyways, that sooner than later, things are going to start to return to somewhat of a normal and people are going to be required to start going back to their, their, their jobs, which are located for the, you know, the people that I'm talking about, those jobs are located in downtown Toronto and they're going to very quickly get sick of that um, commute, right? So then, yeah, you're right. I can see sort of um, the elastic band effect that you were talking about, right? And it's a double-edged coin too here, like double-edged coin. That's definitely not the analogy. <laughs> you get my point. Sword. 
Yeah, no, two-sided coin actually was when I was, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Either one. There's actually this trend of leaving the city is not a new one. I mean, you could say working from home is the cause. I think it's maybe jumped us five years ahead, but people were already leaving the city. That's That's been an ongoing thing. If you look at the trend in the last couple of years, it's been happening a lot. The problem too is this immigration and this inflow of immigration is what does fix that overall gap. Even with, in the last few months in the city of Toronto, even with all of the net outflow of locals in Ontario, because they tracked where are people going? And the biggest levers city being left was Toronto. And then all of these further out cities were the ones where they were all landing. Even with all of that, and even with immigration being beat up, still was a net positive as far as the population of people went. So mm-hmm. wait until immigration opens up again. Like once you open up that floodgate of inflow population again, I believe not necessarily people will come back from working from home, which I do think is a possibility. The bigger factor I'd say is people will realize working from home is maybe overrated. So we're not leaving as fast anymore. And and why would I spend so much money to be so far away anymore? There's going to be kind of that give. But then you're also going to have a massive influx of potential competition coming from every corner of the earth. I mean, when it comes to moving in, in a city, I honestly believe Toronto is the best place. It's the greatest destination people can have in the world. So wherever you put that in the category, we're going to get a lot of people. And when the government is backing it up with incentives for people to come and to stay, not to leave after they're done school and all these other programs, those things are the reason that I see Toronto rising ahead. People don't come to Canada to move to Sudbury. They come to Canada to move to Toronto. But then they get sometimes they get scared and they run off to Sudbury. But I, I think the destination will always remain Toronto. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a booming market. It's pr- possibly never, never gonna, not gonna end anytime soon because I think the prime factor is immigration, like you're like you're suggesting too. Um, so what the heck do you what do you tell someone who who's who's a, a maybe a twenty year old and looking to buy their first home and can't afford it or trying to you know find their way into the market? How does that person win? As a primary residence, like a place to live, or investment, either way. Yeah. Well, in, if it was an investment. I would say you got to decide equity versus cash flow. I think most large investors would all argue cash flow is the play. Um, People who invest in the downtown core, they're playing an equity game, but these are guys that investors that aren't too worried if I'm running a negative cash flow because the net result of me paying down equity with low interest rates is I'm still actually ahead, just not from a monthly cash flow perspective. So for someone who wants to invest, just to kind of wrap that one up, I'd be looking at a place that is running a cash flow. I think that's important. Don't feel like you need to be stuck locally. Yeah, you might, if you're, if it's your first one, I think it's a great opportunity for you to learn how that all works. But through joint venture partners and connecting with people, you are able to invest anywhere across the country. I mean, you don't even have to invest in Canada if you have partners in other countries. So even if you can't afford a home with the crazy stress test through something like multifamilies, you can overcome that hurdle. So with the right insight, you can do it. I know, Sandy, you were telling me about how you were able to do wholesaling and use the money. I mean, there's a lot of creative ways you can use to get in the market. I think that still is the case. Now, when it comes to buying your home, honestly, I think when I view someone living there, unless it's a multi-family, I don't view that as an investment. I've never really viewed your home as an investment. So like I had one person I was speaking with last week, they they had a family member buying a condo in Toronto. And they said the house is listed for, I don't know, 650. And we think it's going to go over seven. And they said, how much, how much should we pay for? And I said, I don't know, how much do you want it? Because if you're, if you're looking at that condo as an investment, if you want to invest in real estate, I would not be buying a condo in the city. 
the reason you're buying a condo in the city is because that's where you want to live, which is fine. So if you overpay $50,000, I mean, in their case, they're paying cash. So who cares? The value will eventually be there. You're buying a lifestyle. You're not buying an investment. So that's why I would kind of break it up into the two, the two categories. Makes sense. Makes sense. Thanks. That's, uh, that's, I think, good insight for where we're at in the market because there's so many people with questions about if they should be doing anything right now or they should be sitting on the fence or, or where they should be putting their funds because um, it's a tough market to get into, whether you're investing or you're looking for your first home. Or, it's, it's a tough one to crack right now, almost anywhere in Ontario and, um, or Canada, probably for that matter. And, you know uh, why it's a tough market? Government intervention. I mean, it's very easy to stay in this market. Prices are going up. Rents outside the city are going up. I mean, in the city, I think they're going to start going up again too. The problem right now with qualifying is things like land transfer taxes and the stress test, an unbelievable hurdle for people to overcome. I mean, if I got to qualify over four and a half percent, but yet my mortgage is 1.7, like I, I understand that that's designed to protect us that's a little over, over the top, right? Like that's, that's a very difficult and not to mention people that are self-employed, right? Like you got a difficult time like this. People don't necessarily work for an employer. Maybe they're working as a, a virtual assistant. Self-employed income is not treated favorably when it comes to qualifying. So these restrictions and regulations, I believe is what's created the hurdle, the market it's, and, and naturally inflated price at the same time. It's, it's a double whammy. It really is. I think for the city, People need to be okay when it comes to affordability with renting. They, they don't need to necessarily own. And I believe everybody should own. I do believe that. But our city is going in such a direction that renting should also be uh, important. Like the main priority should be housing, that people have a place with a roof over their head, not that people can afford to buy a house. And I think we, I'm okay with that. I've come to, to be okay with that. But a lot of people feel a right or it's their, their right as a Canadian to own real estate. And it's not built that way anymore. It's really not. Oh, right. If you got to work in Toronto, go rent there and buy buy in Windsor or somewhere yeah, else where the, where, where, yeah. the, where the numbers are affordable for you. You don't, you don't need to own and live in the same property you own necessarily. I've done that at times. I've, I've owned like... I've, I've, I've been renting and owned probably probably a dozen or more places and paying rent for my personal place. I've, I've done that for a couple of years at least in life. And uh, I don't know what's the, what's wrong with that. You're still the whole point of the buying real estate aside from your whole primary home is just an investment purpose. Like your primary residence is a totally different, different animal. Right. So I, I, I agree with you for the most part there that, that, that makes sense. I'm stealing this from another podcaster, but I remember, uh, Early on, like when I was listening for, for information, I remember Jason Hartman. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but his, his big thing that he always said was invest in markets that make sense so you can afford to live in the markets that don't. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Bang on. Bang on. I mean, the, especially in a place like Ontario, I mean, the, the laws are so in your favor. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I mean, this is why for people who are investing, I would encourage them to look out of province. For that reason alone, and I think a lot of people have recognized that, and it's also led to spin-off consequences in other provinces. I mean, we saw Nova Scotia apply massive rules in protection of of the tenants. Um, so that that was a result of Toronto investors running. Like people are looking like crazy at New Brunswick right now. It'd be very interesting to see if New Brunswick pulls the plug on it, like Nova Scotia did, because people are running away from here but also to there because they recognize the opportunities. And so if you live here as a tenant, that's in your favor. 
I mean, you got, there is a, they've set a mandate this year that you cannot increase your rent across, mm -hmm. across the province. Um, now, of course, people are taking advantage and landlords, bigger landlords do tend to screw the little guys. They're the ones statistically doing that. But all that to say, you still have a ton of rights and protections right now in Ontario that a lot of other provinces don't even see. Well, now we've sort of uh, skimmed over it a little bit, but let's talk about your podcast. Tell sure. us a little bit about it. You know, when, how long have you been doing it? What's it called and where can people hear it? Yeah. So a podcast called Toronto's number one real estate podcast started it last February, 2020, right before COVID hit. Uh, we started uploading all of our, some of our YouTube content that we had at the time. Cause I've been doing YouTube for a few years before that. And then when COVID happened, I'm like, okay, what happens if you do a podcast every single day for a month? And I did that for a month, realized, damn, this could work. Did it several more months. Now, since then I've scaled back. We, we are on just over a month, uh, over a year and we've got over 200 episodes. So we're averaging about 17 per month since starting, but a lot of that was front loaded. And the podcast is very much about the market, keeping up with what's going on in the news. Some of the same articles you read, people are working professionals are running around. They don't have time to decipher all of these things. And so the show is very much geared towards getting you all the headlines, giving a little bit of a spin with a bit of humor. Sometimes I try to be funny and fail miserably. And at the same time, we also bring on awesome guests once a week. And, and that is another aspect where people, they want to know the market, but the reason is because they want to make money in real estate. So we talk to people that are able to do that too. So we have a lot of fun, have a fantastic community. The views are different. I mean, on YouTube, you can go viral and I've gone viral, but I find that on podcasts, it's more of a community, it's relationship, it's trust. They're, they are, I mean, I'm so thankful people give hours of their attention to listening to what you have to say. And so that almost leads to a sense of responsibility to offer them your best. I mean, any given podcast that I do now, though there's fewer of them, takes about three to four hours to produce the ones that I do. And then with guests also, there's a level of preparation and bringing on the best guests. So we're having a lot of fun. I'm not doing it for any specific reason, but there's obvious reasons that have, there's obvious opportunities that have come from doing it. And the biggest is that I've learned so much and I'm just so thankful to have a platform that's even on any level, similar to what you guys have been doing. You guys have put in so much work and, and have built this incredible platform. So to even be considered anywhere in there is, is awesome. And, and I'm thankful for it. So, and where can people hear it? You can find us on iTunes, Spotify. If you look up Toronto Real Estate, we're right there. I just look for my pretty face. And on YouTube, you can find me at Watson Estates as well. Watson Estates, got it. Okay. Um, let's talk about what's next for you. What, do you. what are your big plans going forward here? Yeah, so right now I'm trying to, I've got, I know what I want to do. I'm trying to build, um, I guess, a foundation. I'm trying, so a lot of this has come with, tons of great relationships and contacts. So I've got right now I'm in this bit of a juggling act where I've got so many off market, so many really great opportunities coming from one angle. And I've got so many different investors coming from the other angle and trying to be able to match make them figure out who I want to work with, what are their investment goals, and then being able to make those connections. But also, though there's a thousand deals coming at me being able to identify which are the few that are worth putting in the amount of time. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I can get caught looking at a deal and it could take away the better half of a day. Like I'll just be so in love with looking and analyzing that deal. And then you make a quick phone call all of a sudden it's like, okay, no, you know what? This is not actually worth it. And, and there's a lot of wasted time. So being able to streamline that process, 
I think is what's next for me and being able to figure out like, how do I prioritize the time? Because time is the most valuable currency, um, especially when our currency is not very valuable. <laughs> it's all about time and again, creating wealth to free up more time. I mean, that's, that's what everyone wants at the end of the day. It's the whole reason to build wealth. I think, I think for everybody is to free up your time so you can do whatever the heck you want to do in life. Right. Absolutely. Um, what else? Any last words or what? Else? I guess, um, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting to see you got, you got a great show. I want to make sure people go check it out because, uh, you do have some great resources in terms of stats and data and stuff that you're, that you're talking about in the market, which is exciting. Um, and some of that you touched on here today, but I'm sure they can get a heck of a lot more details and, and more up, up to date, timely info if they're checking out your show. So definitely want to encourage people to go check it out and uh, reach out to you for more. Um, Rob, any last words before we wrap up? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but one of the things that I really like to hear from people is sort of like the one piece of information or advice that they've gotten, you know, that they remember from the past that's always stuck with them and helped them, you know, because most people do have that light bulb moment in some way, just it's that point where something clicked and they got it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have anything like that. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of them. I, I'd say, I mean, on the topic of the podcast and, and what we're kind of discussing today, I, I think the, the secret sauce is consistency, you know, like it, it takes a lot of work. The concepts are very simple, you know, share, share on any platform as much as you possibly can consistently, because as soon as you remove that consistency, you can't pull these things off. I mean, I can send, I can say, I'm going to send out off market deals and then I stop there it goes, you know, whether people are relying on you or not. I mean, it might feel like it's like the hockey stick analogy, right? Like you're, you're putting in all this work and things are just about to launch and the consistency and, and, and consistency also doesn't just come at the beginning, but it comes along the line with that. When you start getting that momentum, it sometimes feels like, Oh, I'm good. Like you can pull back. But anytime I've done that, it's come with a lot of heartbreak and having to do a reset. So I'm very much about keeping that momentum moving again through this consistency. So I'm not going to say that's the only life changing lesson I have, but there is not a lot of people that can do that these days. People are very, they, they love shiny things and they'll run in all different directions and they don't realize how much it's wasting their own time. It's easy to have ideas, but you got to apply it and, and do it where everyone else stops. You got to show up day and night. Yeah, you're tired. We're all tired, but this is the, if you want to build something of value, you got to keep serving as much as you can. That's great. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. And you got to keep filling that uh, that pipeline, right? Keep filling the funnel. Yeah, absolutely. And have fun doing it, man. I mean, there's no re- we would not be doing this if we didn't love it. And And people feel that people know. He's actually having fun. I mean, half the reason I put the jokes in my podcast, because I do put a lot of really awesome jokes in my show (laughs) but it's because i like to have fun it's like i i specifically spend time making sure there's humor in there because if i'm going to do this i don't want to be the same voice and and i've got a lot of flack people are like oh you're a realtor you're not professional whatever don't listen to my show (laughs) i didn't force you in the room (laughs) so have fun doing it you know it makes it easier Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love the advice. That's hey, that goes with so many things in life, business or investment for sure. Just the consistency and showing up. You don't have to show up every single day, but when you show up, just, just keep showing up right as much as possible. And, uh, um, time over time, that consistency will compound and you'll, you'll create something cool. It's, it's inevitable. So how, uh, first of all, let's say who should be getting in touch with you. 
who should be getting in touch with me? Well, I would say if you're looking to invest in money and you want to figure out how that works, give me a call. I'm I'm available. I know it's like, oh, he's this big guy on this big podcast. Pfft. I got a couple kids. I, I put pants on in the morning, just like everybody else. I'm available. I mean, having the conversations with people is really kind of the reason you do it because it's all about relationships, all about connecting. So I guess so from that angle, if you need support, even if it's not me, reach out to somebody and get that support, you know? And, um, but also if someone does have off-market deals, they're looking for capital, like across Canada even, and they've got a home run opportunity, just a phone call away, give us a call. We're happy to chat business and see if there's a way for us to make that contact. And otherwise, no strings attached. Just keep learning, connect to the podcast and and learn what, take what you're going to take and leave what you don't want. And, and I think that I'm okay with that. I, I'm not using the podcast as, as a platform to build wealth because we're already doing that. It's, it's, it's more for the, the audience. Awesome. I'm sure those people are listening. So now tell them what the best way is to get in touch with you. Yeah, you can reach out to me. Um, I mean, you can leave us a review if you want to just leave us a review. I mean, we're always accepting those on iTunes. It helps the channel. But they can send me a message on Instagram at Watson Estates. They can leave a comment on, on the YouTube videos that we post at Watson Estates. So, or my, honestly, my cell phone's all over the world. So I'm a very easy person to find if you look my name up uh, because I want to be available for people. And so just Google me. Bradley Watson. Bradley Watson. Got it. Okay. And all Bradley's info is going to be in the show notes, guys. So you'll be able to contact him whenever you want. Just click on over into the show notes and you can leave comments there too and ask questions, uh, ask questions, any questions you have for Bradley. You know, you can put them in there as well and we'll get back to them. We'll make sure that everybody sees them. So all your questions can be answered. Well, thanks, Bradley. I really appreciate you coming on today. I mean, you shared a ton of market insights, I think, which was uh, which was pretty interesting. And uh, hopefully people got a lot out of that. And um, yeah, just thanks again for being here. Yeah. Sandy, Rob, appreciate it. Appreciate it. You guys keep doing what you're doing with the fantastic content and, and guests. And I really do appreciate you allowing me the chance to come on and share a few thoughts. Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? 289-389-6846 or Sandy at McKayRealtyNetwork.com. And, uh, you know, you can just look Sandy up too. If you, if you missed that, you can just look Sandy up as well. You know, we're pretty easy to get. We're all over the place. We're all, we're all realtors. We're not hard to find. But if you want to reach me, you can get me at Rob at MrBreakthrough.ca. Okay, guys. Thanks again for listening and everyone have a wonderful day. Thanks.